Josh. Let's pray. Father, we're just grateful for you. And Lord, just this morning as we're together and, and join together, I, I can't shake the sense of your desire for us just to be embedded in you and resting in you and abiding in your presence. So Lord, we just ask that, Lord, you would speak. We thank you that you and your word are one. And that your word isn't just some intellectual assignment, Lord, but there is an absolute heart connection that happens and a spirit connection that happens when we encounter it. And so again this morning, we just want that. We just want to encounter you. And we thank you that your desire is to encounter us. We thank you that your hope is to encounter us and to continue to shape us and mold us into your image, but just really just experience your love and, and to know your love. And So again this morning, we want to know that love. We want to come to it deeply and... And closely, Lord. And so, Lord, yeah, speak to us, Father. Speak to us, Lord. Amen. Amen. We'll read this and we'll see where we, where we get to. Um, I'll read over what we were reading through last week. We've been talking about Philippians. Sorry, I was talking quietly, Caleb, so I'll get back to my normal volume, which will help your sound levels. Uh, we've been reading through Philippians for the last couple of months and, and just talking off that last week. Um, spoke about uh, that, that Paul's connection with the churches goes from this place where he births them and moves from like a father figure to coming alongside and always relates to them as family and, and calls them brothers and sisters, intimate yet of the same level together because we have the shared father in God. And then um, he, we know he's in chains, most likely in Caesarea, uh, in the basement of the barracks there or in the castle where he's being held in prison at that time. And that we spoke last week about God using our hardships, God using our troubled times for his glory, that he is our vindicator. He is the one that fights on our side. And he is the one that is decided to bring good out of every situation. If we let him be the one that fights. And so, reading from verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what's happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill, but the latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I'll continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what's happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death, for to me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will, be fruit, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? don't know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to be depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know I'll remain and I'll continue with you for your progress and joy in the faith 
so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. And I finished briefly with this point last week, and I just wanted to feel on God to restate it, is how you respond to your hardship can build or destroy someone's faith. There we see Paul talking about the fact that he's actually in prison, and everyone around him knows the fact he's in prison is because of Jesus. But that thing which is meant to try and stop the gospel and that the Jews are hoping would actually bring it down and stop the way and stop the faith actually advancing, God's using all the more and more people are coming to know Jesus. The guards are coming to know Jesus. They're placing their hope in him. That The gospel is being preached vigorously and declared to the, the rulers of the area, to, to Festus and Felix, are hearing the good news of the kingdom of God. In this time, they were the governors of the region uh, in, in succession there. And that this is being used for good, and God is doing so much good for it. And yet, I wonder what would happen if Paul responded a different way. Because of my chains, he said, most of the brothers and sisters have become more confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. We live in a weird society. Uh, we, we, we're people who sort of believe that Things just affect us. What are you worried about me for? It's, it's none of your business. It's got nothing to do with you. No, I'll make my own choice. Whatever feels right for me, I'll do that, thank you very much. It's got nothing to do with you. You keep your nose out of it. You get your stinking nose out of my business, hey? Leave me alone and let me just do what, what I want. Would you, would you Christians stop telling me how to live and stop hanging around with me with all your godness and... and and all that. I just want to live my way and do my thing and I'll just be right, thank you. It's, it's funny we do this. Actually, um, whenever I catch up um, with, with, with couples and we hang out with people doing dating, it's amazing how many times over the years I've talked to, to young people. Who, oh, mum and dad just aren't, they don't like our relationship. And, and, and seem to have this notion that, oh, it's just about us. We love each other. It, doesn't, it shouldn't matter how everyone else feels about it. I remember having sort of an attitude like that when I, was, um, when I was engaged when I was 19 to a girl. And I remember that, that sort of attitude going. This, her, her dad at the time wanted to be in my life as a, as a father figure and a role model. I remember sitting there and saying to him, like, I didn't ask you for that. You know, sometimes you're young and stupid. I thought it was just me, but me and this girl and, and we were doing our thing. We were engaged. We were going to be married and... I had this stinking attitude in um, large part because of that and, and praise God sometimes for his, his goodness to break our hearts so that we don't do stupid things. And because of that, the whole thing broke down, but I, I was young and stupid. So I remember when, when Susan and I were coming together, I purposely sought out Eric and, and I opened myself to him and whatever God wanted to do in that situation and whatever shape that formed him, I just knew I wanted him to be a dad to me and I wanted him to be a father because it wasn't about just two people coming together. It's about two families uniting. 19, I didn't understand that too well. Most, most of us don't in our society. We don't understand that the more, there's more that affects us. Our responses affect those around us. Like what we do, it affects more people around us. It's like ripples in a lake. You know, those people, oh, you just got to walk around on eggshells around them. You just got to creep around on eggshells because they're just so... Oh, mate, they're not wanting to... You just don't want to cause them any more pain. Or, or people, they start to... People start to avoid you because there's just so much bitterness that swells up and, and that's just infecting the atmosphere around you. How you carry yourself and responds affects the atmosphere and, and we cause people to just 
be on edge around us or, or avoid us altogether? And do we inspire faith? David, um, in the Bible, when Bathsheba was pregnant and had their child, here's David and he goes away and the child's sick when he's born and he's just there fasting and pleading before God for healing and hope. And everyone around is just walking on eggshells, not wanting to upset when the baby dies. In there, and they're all thinking that, that David's attitude to this situation is, is pain and hurt and devastation, which he was. But as soon as he knew that child had died, what's he do? Get up, washes himself, and starts celebrating and worshiping God. And he changed the atmosphere of the palace that day from one of just everybody just being on edge to having a hope and a faith in God by the way he responded in that crisis and in, in that time. And and here's, here's their situation. When we're through hardship, are we a people who build faith? Are we a people who build faith? It's our turn to live in a way that others are inspired just to follow God all the more and, and all the more. And I just wanted to reiterate that because I just believe that is such an important key as we hang out together and be family together, that we're actually encouraging each other in those times and we're letting the Spirit of God well up inside us in the way we respond to the situations in our life. Next thing I want to say is this. Christ's glory is what matters most. Christ's glory is what matters most. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Some that preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Paul's in jail. He's in prison. He can't really respond to things. And there's this, this sad truth that happens in life. People try and kick you when you're down. Sometimes people try and give you a hard time when you're at your lowest point. Even in the kingdom of God. Even in the kingdom of God. Sometimes, even in church, when you're going through your roughest time and your hardest point, your lowest thing, sometimes people and sometimes fellow Christians, they'll, they'll kick you while you're down and kick you in the guts. And so Paul's had this situation. He's in prison, in jail, for preaching the gospel, actually for doing, for doing nothing other than being in the temple and praying one day, he gets arrested for that. And then he's in jail, falsely accused, no accusation, no actual charges brought. Somewhere in two years being in prison, he writes this. And there's people that start going around, get excited by the fact that Paul is there and, and seeing the kingdom one. And they're preaching because they love him and he's their father and, and, and he's, he, he's just doing great things and they want to just see the gospel raised. And then there's other people that come around and we don't know their motives. We don't know what they're actually thinking, but we know that the, Paul says that they're doing it out of envy, rivalry, and selfishness. Envy, rivalry, and selfishness. They start preaching Christ. And, and they must be talking about something because I don't know whether they're thinking, now if Paul was really a man of God, he wouldn't be in jail. He'd be free by now. He would have called down some angels to open up the gates and he would have just been out of that place. Or, or maybe they're just like, he, he's been going off and preaching to the Gentiles and hasn't been making them get circumcised, praise God. And, and in that way, oh, they, he's doing the wrong thing and so he should be there. Anyway, they're preaching in such a way, talking about him in such a way that they're hoping that, well, Paul feels anyway, that they're, they're thinking he, they just want to get him killed or get him locked up for good or not ever get out again. And, and in some ways we do this. Envy rivalry, selfish ambition. And I love what Paul talks about because he's talking about some. Who's he talking about? Brothers and sisters. 
He relates that word back there in the Greek actually to brothers and sisters. He continues to call them brothers and sisters. He doesn't separate from them in this way because rather than looking at the motives, and this happens in the kingdom of God. Some preach Christ out of love. Some people use the gospel for the, for the good of the kingdom and do it out of love. Some people, sad to say, over generations have done it out of selfishness, selfishness to build an empire, to get more power, to get a position on the board. And if only I can get my seat on the board, then I'll tell that pastor how he should preach. And they do it out of envy. Oh, there's a gap. I want to make that gap because I want to aim at that and fill that because then I'll feel good and then I will fulfill my purpose and then I will have my ministry and I'll be, I'll be doing the right thing. I'll be doing great. And Paul's just sitting there in chains going, I'm, I'm right where God wants me. And I, I just love his heart because he said, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. You know, sometimes we get so worried and, and upset on how each other's operating and what each other's doing and, and how... Brother McKillicuddy over there is, is well, the way he's leading his life group. He's, oh, just, he needs to learn a thing or two. Or the, the way this church down the road's operating, I can't believe them. And, and he gets, oh, mate, it, it can get rivalry sometimes in churches. These, this church down the road, they're doing the right thing. And these people, they need to learn this and this. And I just love Paul's attitude. You know, it really doesn't matter what's inside on this one. It really doesn't matter. The fact that is Christ is being preached. Because God, in the end, he'll sort out the motives. He'll sort out the motives. But the most important thing, the greatest thing out of here, is Christ is proclaimed and Christ is preached and the gospel goes forward. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what goes on inside. I know people have assumed different motives over me over the years and done different assumptions on why I do things and say things and how I act and They've got no idea what's going on inside. But the important thing is, Christ is preached. God looks at the heart. Man looks at the outside. We can't see each other's hearts. Let's preach the kingdom. Let's just preach the kingdom with that. You know, I was um, struggling what to name the next point of what happens in here. So I'm going to work out what to call it, but I decided on this. Only good choices. Paul's at a fork in his life. He's at a crossroads right now, in prison, at a crossroads going there. There's already been two assassination attempts on his life, possibly more. There's two that we know of that were, that were written about in, in Acts, but there's probably a whole bunch more. And he, he knows, he's feeling the pressure there. And so he has this fork in his life, this crossroads in front of him. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what I want to do, he says. There's only good choices. I've got two choices in front of me. Should I live or should I die? Should I live or should I die? And then he goes on, he says this about them. Both are great. Both are absolutely awesome. Both choices are absolutely fantastic in front of me. And, and I, we live a little bit different sometimes. What's the point of it all? Why am I here? What is the point of going on? What is the point of getting up this morning? Man, it's nice and warm in bed. I'm just going to stay there and, and do that. Mate, if, oh, oh, no, if only I can just survive. I just need to survive and get through. Let me just get through. But Paul has these two choices in front of him. And he has this tough choice. It's like being at a restaurant, you know, when you're out getting food and you're sitting down, you're reading through the menu and going, oh, no, 
That is awesome. I really want the steak. Oh, dude. They've got barramundi as well. Steak. And then you go through trying to find a surf and turf option at that point so you can get both options. And, and you're going, mate, there's no way I can eat both meals. Do you want to split with me? And, and I can't do that because Susan's allergic to seafood and so I can never like do that meal split when it comes to fish and get really upset with that. And so Paul's got the menu out in front of him and going, should I live or, or should I die? There, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. They're both good choices. And so I just want to talk about this, these choices briefly this morning. There's, there's the first one in there. He says this, I long to go home. I just want to go home. Enoch, in Genesis chapter 5, it, it talks about the whole lineage of Abraham. And you get these two verses, about three verses, down, 21 to 24, where it talks about Enoch. And Enoch beget Methuselah when he was 65 years old, and he lived another 300 years, and then God took him home, and he was no more. About two lines about this man Enoch in the Bible. And then the writer of Hebrews picks it up and says this, he did not taste death. So Enoch was this man. Two men in the entire Bible did not die. Two men in all history that we know of, possibly more because we don't know. Some might not have been recorded in the Bible. Two that we know about did not die. Enoch and Elijah. You say, oh, Jesus was resurrected. Yeah, he was. He died first, though. So Jesus doesn't count in this situation. And um, so Enoch and and Elijah. There's a lot more written about Elijah, but Enoch. You've got these couple of verses written about him, and all we know is God just wanted him to be with him. God just wanted him to be with him and to be home. We know very little about it but you've got to get some sort of understanding that deep inside God's heart was the desire to be with Enoch and deep inside Enoch was the desire to be with God and when Susan and I were, were first hanging out and and getting to know each other and and you know th- those times when you're first getting to know your spouse or getting to know someone you like like hanging out with all of a sudden that time when you're away from them minutes turn to hours hours feel like days and you're sitting there, and, and the, praise God, mobile phones were invented, so you can at least sit there and text each other while you're at work. And some sit there at kids' helpline with my headset on, and oh, it's some kid telling me about kicking their dog over the fence. Okay, so I'll sit here and, and, and text Suze on, on that one and, and, and talk to her. And so we, we spent a lot of time, I just wanted to be with her. I just wanted to be around her and just hanging out with her. And, and still today, I really enjoy her. I like hanging out with her. I'm not saying that I don't now. Don't go telling her stories. Uh, or, or make, <laughs> but you know what it's like when you're first hanging out and you, know, you just really just want to be around. And then right now, like whenever I'm away and, and, and traveling and things like that, I, I, I can't sleep. I've gotten so used to her there that I just don't get any night's sleep. I think the last time, it didn't help that I had someone that sounded like they were cutting down trees above my bed last time I was away. And um, I think I got half an hour's night's sleep on that one. It wasn't Michael. Michael was traveling with me, but... He was in another room, so it wasn't. <laughs> and I could still hear it. No. Um, but it was away. Keith, I don't know what you guys went through. Two years of, of sort of separation, not being around each other, that longing to, to be reconnected and, and to be there. Lots of phone calls, lots of Skype, lots of WhatsApp, lots of connection in there. And, and here, here is that. Here's Paul. And I don't know if I'm in that place in my head. 
To die is gain. To die is gain. Are we able to really say that in our hearts? Like, whoo, I want to die today. Not like a jihadist or something like that, but, but I just want to die and go home to heaven and just be with God. I mean, our home is there. Jesus said this about, they're not of this world, even as I'm not of it. 1 Peter 2, 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles in this, and he's talking to us about that we're not of this earth, we're foreigners to this earth. Abstain from sinful desires. And Philippians, Paul talks about this later in there. Your citizenship is in heaven. Your passport isn't stamped Australia. Once God comes inside and lives in you, your passport is stamped heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. This is where we come from. This is where we are. This is who we are, our, our identity and our place. And so Paul's here and he's, He's got this threat living alongside him all the time. And I'm sure for two years there's been this threat of death. And so he's definitely thought about it. And he's definitely reflected on it. And he comes to a place in his heart, if I die, that's fantastic. And actually he says, that's the better option. That's the best thing that can happen, that I go home. And I actually get to be with Jesus. I said before that I just really get a sense that God's saying to us to abide. To be in him. Because the only way you get there, the only way we get to that point is by spending time. The only way I'm at the point where when I'm away from Sue's to not sleeping and not being able to rest in a bed is because we've hung out for so long and been together for so long. Before I was married, I had no boat. No issues. Actually, when we got married, there were issues. Because I had someone else in the bed. I, didn't, I had a queen bed all to myself before that. It was fantastic. Actually, I still only slept on a slither of the bed at that point because I was a bachelor. And I had a set of drawers and I had a cupboard in my room. But my wardrobe was on my bed. And um, so I had this slither down there. But when we got married, um, it got to that point where I'd take up three quarters of the bed and she'd sleep on her side down the, down the edge. And then she got pregnant with Josiah. And so she took up three quarters and I slept on the <laughs> corner of the bed down the edge. And, and somewhere along there, I think we've, we've evened out. But hanging out together for so long has made it such that whenever I'm away, I just can't rest. And I just want to be around her. And, you know, that, that's really us and God. Hanging out with him so much that we just want to be with him. We just long to be connected and back home with Jesus and, and, and right where he is, that we're, we're that connected and hoping. And I just, we've been feeling over the last little while that that's what God's saying to us. And so a couple of things that we're going to do after Jules, week after Jules, what we'll do is, and I've spoken with the worship team about this, we're going to bring back soaking time in church. And, and so what that means for some of you, you remember when we did a season for that in, in church, um, some of you that's you know, what are you actually on about uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to start worship at 8.30 and in that that's the time we're not going to put the words up on the screen or anything we're just going to worship in the room and I invite you during that time just to come and sit just to come and, and sit you know, oh, that's not scriptural yeah it is the Bible says abide in me abide in me in your bed rest and meditate on me Psalm 4 
You know, it's that time of just really dwelling in his presence and just letting his presence wash over you and soak over you. So we're going to do that from 8.30 in there. And I encourage you during that time as well, let, let God speak to you. Hear what he's saying. Hear what he's saying for everyone. Hear what he's saying for someone else in the room. And if there's someone else in the room that you feel God's saying something for, go tap them on the shoulder and ask them, can I pray for you on that? If they say, no, I'm just resting in God, great, let them rest in God. And then ask them later after the service if it's okay. But let, let's just spend time and rest. Also, what we're going to do is we're going to do, and um, we'll talk about this, I'm still not sure what to call it, morning manner or, or first fruits, but we've been talking about just spending time with God in the morning. First thing we do. I don't know what you do. I'm, I'm someone who... who has devices all around me and I'm electronically engaged and I think my generation is definitely someone if we could implant phones inside us and, and technology devices and screens that would be awesome in our arm just it's there and it's Google glasses or, or something like just VR technology around us and you're looking weird at me but Michael's going yeah that'd be gaming this is sweet <laughs> um, so I often check the news and read things in the morning and roll over pick up my phone and, and check out what's going on but the first thing we do in the morning, let's open the word. Let's speak to Jesus. Let's not turn the TV on and watch the news and see what CNN says and CBC and all those things. But let's just spend time intimately with his presence. Because if we can get to a point where we say to die is gain. Now, we're, I'm not forming some sort of suicide cult here. Um, please hear me right. We're not doing... We're, we're not going, uh, I've got to bite my tongue before I say inappropriate things. Um, in there, but, but, oh, what an intimacy with God. To be still and know that he is God. To abide in him and, and abide in the vine and let his likeness and his fruit be formed inside us and through us and around us. Oh, die is gain. Die is gain. It's fascinating when we read this. Because we read this and it's like Paul has a choice in front of him. Because he actually says that. Which one? I don't know which one to choose. When Christ died, he said, no one can take my life other than that I give it up. Paul at this point is making an absolute conscious decision that he's going to go on living. At this point, even though he wants to be home with Christ. I mean, an absolute conscious decision in there for it. Because the question is in front of him. Why am I here? Why am I here? What is the purpose that I'm here for? What am I doing? What's it all about? Actually, last week we had a great time. Last Sunday night, last Sunday morning, it was great to see God move on so many lives. And last Sunday night we were... We're talking about the DNA of the church and, and started a course 10 weeks on that um, with it. We had a fantastic time uh, within that. I was just so pleased to just see people thinking about how God relates to us based on who he is. And tonight we're going to be talking about that is, is why are we here? What on earth am I here for? What's this all about? You know, most people that write that, what do they want most in life? Happiness. Most people write happiness when asked that question. What do you want most in life? Where's happiness really come from? Fulfilling your purpose in God, which is being connected with him intimately in his presence. Worship team, come. And I know you're up on side stage, so appear.
There we go. Let's pray. Um, Lord, Lord, we just want to be connected with you. We see there in, in Paul this one phrase, this one verse, which is a bit puzzling and a bit bizarre within there. And I know over the years when I've read it, it's always been like that. To live is Christ and to die is gain. Lord, that's something that's hard for us to say. That departing from this earth and departing from what we know here in this temporal condition and in this natural state is actually a gain and a benefit because we're going to be with you. We long to be with Jesus, the one who loves us and the one we love. Lord, so we just ask, Lord, over the next season that you do a work inside us. Lord, and that we would commit ourselves to this, Lord, to actually connecting with you and being intimate with you and spending time with you and and hearing your voice and experiencing your love, to know the love that is greater than knowledge, to be connected with it in such an intimate way. Lord, that we would be able to declare that, that it is gain that day we depart this earth to be with you. Lord, even that we might be like Enoch and you decide to save us from the experience of death and just take us home to be with you, Lord. But Lord, we know that while we're here, there is a purpose. We know that while we're here, there are still things to do to encourage and inspire and to help. And so we want to do that, but we just want to be so connected with you. Lord, as we worship now, we just ask you to touch our hearts and that we'd touch your heart. And that you would, there would be some interaction with us in heaven and some interaction inside us from the things and the purposes of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's just stand and give God some praise. And as we do that, if you need prayer this morning, altar's open and we'd love to pray with you and just believe God's work and his, his connection in your life.